0: Second and eight. Bridgewater. Deep down the sideline and Woo! passes. caught Robbie Anderson. There's a penalty marker down as Anderson goes into the end zone. This is BetQL Daily presented by FanDuel Sportsbook with the Joes. Joe Ostrowski and Joe Giglio from BetQL. Yes, it is. BetQL Daily right here on the BetQL Network presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. Joe O. Joe G getting ready to talk some football here. We'll be joined in a few minutes by Jim Sonis of FanDuel, and then later on this hour, we got to have our draft here. We got to talk to about Mm. these broadcasting teams across the (laughs) NFL because whenever uh, they always get to this point in the summer, Fox, CBS, they'll put out their broadcasting teams, and sometimes there's a a little tweak here and there. They might remove an analyst, put a new analyst in. They might change the pairings a little bit. I mean, for years we kind of we know who the big dogs are, right? Buck and Aikman have been together for almost probably two decades now, so we we kind of know what we're getting, but. I'm excited to pick our favorite ones and have a draft. Uh, And will I overdraft the the new guy, Mark Sanchez? I probably will. I think he's going to be great on all this. Let's talk some football here. Jim Sanas of FanDuel joining us right now. Jim, as we're getting ready, two weeks out from the start of the NFL season. We did get some news yesterday in terms of a quarterback battle that is settled. It is going to be Teddy Bridgewater in Denver, not Drew Locke. Your thoughts on the move by Vic Fangio, and does it change your thoughts on the Broncos for this season?
1: Yeah, I think that what this does is it sets things up for the Broncos being more of an under-type team because I think that Drew Locke is the more volatile selection. You know, he throws, he makes mistakes, that's good for an over, but he also pushes the ball downfield, whereas I don't expect that out of Teddy. So they're a team that has a really good defense they're probably going to play pretty conservatively on offense. I'm not saying that's a bad thing by any means. Like, given the defense they've got and the, some of the personnel they've got, that's probably a smart way to play things. But I think the biggest implication for me, more so than dictating spread, win totals, et cetera, et cetera, is that we're probably going to see a lot of defensive battles in these Denver games. I think that's something to keep in mind where they may, their play style and what they've told us says they probably want to keep things pretty conservative offense so they don't screw it up with their defense, basically.
2: Yeah, I I don't think any of us were surprised that Vic Fangio went the conservative route uh, by going with Teddy Bridgewater to start the season. But what about from a uh, sports betting perspective? We know Teddy, uh, you know, people affectionately call him in the sports betting world. Teddy covers 72 percent of his starts. So do you think you'll be backing Denver early on in the season before we see any sort of adjustments? Yeah. So
1: my numbers that I have were pretty low on Denver relative to where the books had been previously. Uh, the window was eight and a half, I've had them at 6.9 wins. I'm probably not going to adjust that up for Teddy. I might, but part of the reason I was already baking in progression because, you know, they're bringing a quarterback competition. I was baking in a bump due to Cortland Sutton being back, but the reports in camp on him have not been super positive. So I feel like I'm probably going to keep them where they're at. So looking at week one specifically, I think that the Giants' money line is actually pretty interesting. because They're very similar teams. Uh, they are both teams that have concerns, I would say, on offense, some good skill position players, uh, but then really solid defense. I like the Giants' defense a lot, too, and you're putting them on the road. Uh, the Giants actually a plus one or two on the money line. I think that... The move to Teddy doesn't influence things enough there for me to change what I had previously on Denver, what I had previously pushed me towards betting the Giants' money lines. I think that's probably the way I'm viewing things for this Broncos team early on.
0: Jim, Joe is going to play in the third preseason game here for the Bengals. It's been a kind of a choppy camp for him, trying to come back off the knee injury. It really hasn't been that long. It was late last November. He got hurt, trying to be ready, and I'm sure he'll be out there week one. How much are you going to take, lean from what we see in Burrow, this offense week three of the preseason, before we get to week one? They're right now four-point home dogs to Minnesota.
1: Yeah, I think that for me, I just kind of want to see him, like, like, look comfortable. I don't care if he plays well. Like, I don't care if he's out there swinging it, you know, looking great. I don't don't really care too much about what Jamar Chase looks like, and I just want to see him look comfortable, because it sounds like that's been the major issue in camp so far, is trying to get him comfortable with that knee, and based on the more recent reports, you know, looking at the past couple weeks, it sounds like there's been progression in that area, so I've liked the the Bengals over six and a half for pretty much the entire offseason, and I haven't seen enough recently to push me off of that inclination. I think that they still are a team that I'm okay being a little bit high on. It's part because I'm a little bit lower on both the Browns and the Ravens in their win total. I'm not betting their unders necessarily because I think that uh, there's a reason that those numbers are high. Uh, But I think that potentially that's leading to a bit of value on the Bengals. So right now, I just want to see him look comfortable. I want to see Joe Burrow... Again, not lighting it up, just out there and looking like a guy who feels confident in his body and playing quarterback at a, in a, at a very high speed.
2: Uh, Jim, we're so used to saying you know preseason it it means very little, but we're here reacting every day. You're doing the same with with your various platforms. And uh, a few times we've we've been talking about some poor camps according to the reports um, by. The beat reporters and they're looking for stuff to write about every day. Uh, we get the Trevor Lawrence announcement finally from Urban Meyer yesterday, but anybody with a set of eyeballs can tell you that he has not looked great and he doesn't have much of an offensive line. Are, are you being careful not to overreact with this uh, very limited sample size that we do have in the preseason? Because, um, and the reason I ask is it. it Really seems like a lot of teams are more concerned with these joint practices as opposed to the preseason games, which everyone gets to see.
1: Yeah, I think that for me, it's more so like it raises a red flag, more so than it'll actually change anything. So, like, let's say we have these negative reports on Trevor Lawrence, and let's say my numbers say, okay, you wanted that Jacksonville minus three in week one. So I would go to that, see the numbers, and ask myself, okay, are the concerns big enough to cancel out any potential edge I've gotten this number? And I, I think three is pretty fair, personally. So I'm not like uh, saying necessarily go bet the Jaguars as a, uh, a direct situation, but I think that what it does to me is it says, do I still feel confident in my numbers after accounting for these camp reports? A lot of times, the answer will be yes. Like I'll still be fine with it, uh, even if you know camp reports are not great. Cause like Zach Wilson, the camp reports around him were not great either for the first couple of weeks, and then he goes out there in the preseason and looks really comfortable and pretty good. So, to me, it's more so like a a red flag, and it makes me think twice, ask myself an extra time, okay, do I still feel good about this? But most of the time, I'm going to be okay overlooking it as long as it's not something super concerning, like, again, the Cortland Sutton knee thing, or, um, you know, Mackay Becton's been, like, vomiting in practice uh, due to, like, being out of shape and had a concussion, too. So, like, stuff like that I care about, but actual, like, oh, Jamar Chase is dropping a lot of balls. That part's not going to bother me too much.
0: Jim, looking at another quarterback decision that is yet to come, but it it seems like it could be trending one way versus the other. Mac Jones getting all the reps last couple of days. Cam Newton had to be uh, held out of practice protocols. He's coming back today. But, you know, Mac Jones got a chance in joint practice against the Giants to show, and it seemed like he showed pretty well. Uh, Reddy was the best quarterback on that field, not saying a ton, because the other one was Daniel Jones. But Mac Jones potentially starting week one and and your thoughts on the Patriots this year I like their direction I I think this is going to be a pretty good team a lot of guys they lost opt out last year they're coming back potentially a new quarterback your thoughts on Mac Jones starting and the Patriots outlook this season
1: yeah I think the good thing for Mac Jones is that he's going to be playing behind one of the best offensive lines in football and that's going to give him a floor and and a good floor so I think that that's a positive for him because if you have a concern around Mac Jones it could be you know what he what can he do when he's not playing behind Alabama's offensive line but we don't get to see that yet because he's playing behind another really good offensive line here I think that the concern that I would have is that I know they added a lot of guys in the offseason but like we haven't seen Nelson Aguilar or Kendrick Bourne really separate from uh, Jacoby Myers there so it's kind of an overlap with what they had last year in terms of the wide receivers the tight ends have both been banged up a little bit throughout training camp. So, although the offensive line is very good, I still have concerns around the pass catchers, despite all the additions they made there. So, to me, I'm still going to be enter- entering here with a little bit of skepticism around what this offense will be able to do. The defense got a lot of guys back; they got some key pieces in free agency there too. So, I'm less concerned there, but I still kind of want to see it before I buy in at the offense. And I think that. Um, I mean, the the reports on Jones are very good, but I want to see that translate to the regular season. He's positioned well for success, but, you know, I had some skepticism around him as a prospect in general, so I do want to see a bit more before I fully adjust my my priors on them.
2: Uh, Jim, something that uh, we were addressing earlier on in the show is uh, these very high totals that we have for Week 1 in the NFL. Now we're up to seven games that have hit at least the 50 mark. And I looked in previous season, previous uh, week ones, and that has not been the case. We're talking about two or or even zero that have reached that mark. We know more scoring than ever before. Uh, but what what does that tell you about week one? And, and do you think the numbers are right? I think they're a little high in a lot of situations. Um,
1: like, I have not bet an over yet for week one. I, like, I tend to be someone who skews towards overs because, like, my heart is not – Good at handling unders. It's really stressful for me. So you're a DF- to... And you're
2: a DFS guy, yeah.
1: Right, exactly. I, I don't like – defense sucks, so no defense, please. <laughs> um, but, like, I try really hard to not that unders. I know they're super stressful for me personally and, like, sweating a game. But I just I can't find really any overs I like. Like, I think the, the Jets and Panthers game might be one with the um, Carl Lawson injury, the Jarrod Davis injury as well, uh, pushing things in favor of an over there, and, and Zach Wilson playing pretty well. Maybe you could talk me to that one. But, like, I think the Atlanta-Philadelphia game is a really solid under 47.5 right now. I think that one is going to be slower paced than expectation. So I, I think for me, when I look at the board, even though I'm someone who tends to skew towards overs, I'm having a really hard time finding any overs I like. I think under Green Bay New Orleans, 50.5 is enticing. Under for the Atlanta Philadelphia game is enticing. Uh, I, I just have a really, oh, and under for uh, the Bills Steelers at 50. It's really hard for me to find an over I feel good about, whereas there are a couple unders I do like.
0: Jim Sonnus of Fandle joining us here. Becky UL Daily presented by Fandle Sportsbook. Jim. How are you leaning right now? Dallas, Tampa Bay. That number has moved. The uncertainty around Dak Prescott continues. I know he threw yesterday. Seemed like no issues, but we're two weeks from the season and he hasn't really let it loose yet. It's a seven and a half point number right now. It, it, it's moved over the past couple of weeks to that hook, the over seven to seven and a half. Uh, Dallas, Tampa Bay with the Dak uncertainty. How are you feeling on that one?
1: Yeah, so I'm already committed here because I bet this one early before the Dak Prescott injury was plus six and a half at the time, so whoops-a-daisies, oh well, I guess I'll uh, chalk that one up as some bad line movement, but I think at at seven and a half, if we can get more confirmation on Dak and the reports have been good enough where I'm starting to move to it, uh, I think that that helps, and again, it's still two weeks before the season, so although this is the final preseason game this week, there's still a lot of time for him to progress, to stretch himself out and get ready. And the reason I liked Dallas in the first place is because I'm expecting this defense to be a bit better than they were last year. I think Micah Parsons should help out. They did improve over the second half of last year, but no one really cared because, I mean, it was Andy Dalton, the quarterback, so why would we pay attention to the Cowboys? But I thought the defense got better as they went along. They've added some pieces, not just Micah Parsons, but some other guys in free agency too. So I like Dallas in general, So when I was getting six and a half, I was like, you know, very willing to take that and did take that. Uh, Seven and a half, I'm holding off personally because I already have that investment at six and a half. And, you know, I think I'm pretty likely to add on at a certain point, but I do want to get a little more confirmation on Dax because I don't want to overcommit myself to that one spread in a situation where the quarterback may not be fully healthy.
2: Jim, are there any specific players that uh, you can't stop drafting in fantasy? You know you're going to have in your DFS lineup early on in the season. You're betting the season props that you are buying big time on a jump in the 2021 campaign.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure about early on, uh, but for season long drafts, I find myself getting a lot of Trey Sermon just because I like the way things set up for him. He's battling Raheem Mostert for that that top job in San Francisco, but. Whoever gets that job and whoever winds up getting the bulk of the carries there is going to be phenomenal. because it's, I have them as the best offensive line of football. They're kind of thin, uh, so it's an injury would definitely hurt things there. But like if you're talking about just like the starters, like they're a really good offensive line. I'd expect whoever is the quarterback to them to be pretty efficient, whether it's Jimmy G or Trey Lance, to be playing well. And we saw Trey Sermon also get a little bit of passing game work in the first preseason game, which is not something he did a lot in college. So... I thought that was pretty interesting. And it's also not something we see a lot from their their running backs in general in San Francisco. So if you give me a dude who is tied to Kyle Shanahan, tied to a great offensive line, tied to an efficient offense, I'm going to find that pretty enticing. So Trey Sermon, from a season-long perspective, is a guy I've been gobbling up quite a bit. And if he can get that passing game work, he will be a DFS asset right away. I just don't want to necessarily go into assuming that from week one.
0: Jim, uh Quickly, yesterday there was a trade in the NFL. The uh, Rams got Sony Michelle from the Patriots. A- any any positive thought there in terms of Michelle, kind of in the um, Sean McVay system? There, quickly, do you think that will be a good trade for the Rams? And one we'll talk about a couple months from now?
1: Um, probably not in a positive sense, just because of the amount of draft capital they've allocated to running backs recently. So um, I think from a betting perspective, I didn't change a single thing. From a, a season-long perspective, it basically just it, it kind of put a big cap on Daryl Henderson. So there weren't really any winners outside of Michelle actually keeping his job. So uh, that was kind of a bummer across the board. Uh, and I think that for the Rams, just a lot of commitment to running backs at this point.
0: Yeah, they're throwing a lot in there. Jim Sonnis of FanDuel. Jim, we appreciate you hopping on. We'll catch up again soon during the season. Always good talking to Jim Sonnis there about the NFL. How about that? He got caught up in, in uh, Cowboys six and a half. Now that line, you, you get an extra point now with the Dak uncertainty.
2: And I am taking the same approach with Trey Sermon. And it has nothing to do with the offensive rookie of the year ticket at 50 to one that I'm holding. But if he does get the job, watch out.
0: He'll run wild behind that offense. But I agree on the other side. We got to talk NFL broadcasting teams. Who are our favorite ones? Let's do a draft here and pick the best of the best. Joe O, Joe G. This is BeckQL Daily, presented by FanDuel Sportsbook right here on the BeckQL Network.